Thank you for listening to the Resources for Integrated Care podcast series, Best Practices for Implementing Enrollee Advisory Committees. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on August 31st, 2022. In this podcast, Lola Akintobi, a consumer and community engagement consultant for the Center for Consumer Engagement in Health Innovation at Community Catalyst, discusses enrollee advisory committee requirements. So I will walk us through the enrollee advisory committee requirements, as well as the benefits of an EAC and thinking through health equity. So starting in 2023, all DSNPs must establish and maintain at least one enrollee advisory committee for each state in which the DSNP is offered. So the minimum is one in each state, but it is possible to maintain more than one if that is desired in each state. The EAC must include a reasonable representative sample of individuals that are enrolled in the DSNIP. They must use EACs to solicit input on ways to improve access to covered services, coordination of services, and health equity for underserved enrollee populations. And in a future slide, the DSNIP, so things like advisory committee size, meeting frequency, and meeting format, whether they are virtual or in-person, are at the discretion of the DSNIP. In certain circumstances, plans can meet the new DSNIP EAC requirement and the Medicaid-managed care requirement via a single committee. States that can require more prescriptive EAC for DSNIPs in their states via the state's Medicaid agency contracts can do so. So it is up to each state if they would like to be more prescriptive within their EACs. And so the requirements build on existing advisory committee requirements for Medicare Medicaid plans, Medicaid MLTSS plans, and PACE organizations. So when we think about enrollees that we serve, so their feedback, their experiences, so federal rules require EACs for Medicaid-managed care plans that cover Medicaid long-term services and supports, LTSS, and for PACE organizations. CMS applies similar requirements for Financial Alignment Initiative Demonstration, MMPs. And starting in 2003, all DSNPs will also be required to consult with EACs on various issues. So this is where you are talking to enrollees about how to improve health equity for underserved populations and really understanding what is focal for them, what is important in the communities in which they live in, what are the things that are affecting their health when it comes to social determinants of health. And so when we look at the benefits of an enrollee advisory committee, there are several. The first being that it ensures plans decisions represent the diversity of a plan's membership. So instead of having a one-size-fits-all approach, you can really understand what are the different needs of different community members, of different enrollees. What are the things that are more focal for them? If we are 
looking at advisory committees, and we only say that each advisory committee will operate in the same ways, we miss out on what is needed from the diversity of its members. So this gives us the opportunity to develop agendas, overcome physical, financial, and language barriers when we invite enrollees to help us create the meeting. The EACs will help us build trust with the membership and build rapport with them. It increases plan enrollment and participation by conducting telephone outreach. It also helps us to empower enrollees as active contributors and co-designers of programs and policies. So a great place to have enrollees be involved is creating the agendas for the meetings that they'll be in, giving feedback around what they need in each meeting, what are the accommodations that will allow more enrollees to be part of the EAC. Programs and policies should make sense for enrollees, and we get to this when we get their feedback. It helps us improve those programs and policies. Another benefit is that we are able to receive and act on direct feedback to inform the plan decision. And finally, we can identify and proactively resolve emerging issues, meet the needs and preferences of plan members, and address health equity barriers. Through their involvement, they can discuss new needs and trends that are happening with their healthcare and within healthcare systems. Anecdotal data can help plans stay ahead of the curve, and so that feedback is greatly needed and will be greatly used. So the disparities impact statement is a tool that can be used by all healthcare stakeholders, and it achieves health equity for racial and ethnic minorities, people with disabilities, sexual and gender minorities, and individuals with limited English proficiency or health literacy, as well as rural populations. Examples of disparities are health status, disease prevention, mortality rates, ER visits for avoidable use. These are disparities that many enrollees are going to be highlighting within their involvement in the EACs. Health plans can use the DIS to guide EAC discussions on health equity and develop a quality improvement plan to address the disparity. The beauty of the quality improvement plan is that it highlights different rates of access, use, and outcomes that are monitored to determine progress in addressing health disparities and needs for corrective activities. So this is where you can really evaluate what are the health disparities that have been mentioned by enrollees and what are the things that have been done so far and what are the things that can be done in the future to address the health disparities? So an example of a health plan that has used a disparities impact statement in previous advisory council work is the HealthNet of West Michigan. They used the DIS for an advisory council and was successful within using it. So the disparities impact statement does three things. One, it creates a strategic focus on health disparities and opportunities for promoting health equity. Two, 
it incorporates a health equity lens into EAC operations. And three, it uses a data-informed quality improvement approach to address racial and ethnic disparities. There are five steps that are involved in the disparities impact statement process. The first is that it identifies health disparities and priority populations. Then you go on to define your goals. After your goals are defined, you will then establish your EAC health equity priorities. Once the health equity priorities are established, you then go on to determine what your EAC needs to implement its strategy. And finally, you monitor and evaluate your progress. Altogether, this is the disparities impact statement that you'll be able to use for future EAC work. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care. You can also find resources for integrated care on LinkedIn to stay up to date with our recent products and technical assistance.